0: Good day everyone and greetings from Bangkok, Thailand. Welcome to the Where We Go In Today podcast. You know, although I don't remember exactly how my love and infatuation with Asia began, I certain, certainly remember being back in my 20s and finding the allure of the Orient, being intrigued and drawn to places like Thailand. It would take me many, many years before I actually put feet on Asian soil, but something in my heart told me that I belonged. So I returned to Bangkok just a few days ago. This is actually my third trip to Thailand in the last six months. At the end of 2022, I moved to Thailand I sold my car, gave up my apartment, and left California to embark upon a new adventure, not just visiting and immersing myself in Asian culture, but becoming a resident. But of course, life has a way of presenting us with unexpected twists and turns, and it wasn't but a month later I found myself back in the warm, Uncomfortable confines of my home in Santa Barbara. And yet my heart was drawn back. Anymore, I'm not so sure what sorts of flights are available directly from Los Angeles to Bangkok. Every time I've been to Thailand, I've always had a layover in and around Tokyo, Japan. I made my first trip to Tokyo as recently as 2019 and I fell in love. Japan struck me as just an amazing country, clean, orderly, with intelligent, polite, disciplined people, architecture that's pleasing to the eye, food that's delicious, a promptness and regularity to life there. That allows things to flow smoothly and efficiently. I found Japan charming and realized in my first visit that it is indeed a world-class country. And so, of course, on this most recent trip back to Thailand just a few days ago, I had another layover in Tokyo. And one of the first things to strike me on my five and a half hour layover, which as an aside I'll mention may seem excessively long, but feels just about right after one finishes an 11 or 12 hour flight across the ocean, five and a half hours is a perfect amount of time to stretch the legs, wander the airport, stand in the long lines for ramen, and just enjoy the orderliness beauty and sophistication that is Japan but one of the first thing that strikes me oddly enough is the public restrooms in Tokyo International Airport in Haneda it's remarkable in the US in contrast you go into a public restroom and often it seems like something of a horror show but that's not at all the case in Japanese public restrooms where you'll find warm water bidets with a drying mechanism to keep yourself nice and clean and dry for your departure from the bathroom, toilet seat cleaners and toilet seat covers. The bathrooms are spacious, not these cramped mini closets that we find in the U S but truly spacious and immaculately clean public restrooms that sometimes even have these nature sounds to mask any potentially offensive sounds that otherwise might be coming from the toilet. Pretty classy and intriguing and really gives one a sense of what the Japanese experience might be like. But of course I was heading on to Thailand and still a bit disoriented from a red-eye flight from L.A., leaving it something short of maybe 10 minutes before 1 a.m. So I arrive in Japan somewhat out of it, rather disoriented, and yet I saw something that looked very familiar to me, but it took me a few moments to really register just what it was, and that was an Asian man dressed all in orange robes walking toward me on his way to these amazing and immaculate restrooms. And of course I'm drawn and have a long appreciation for Thai culture and recognized him as a Thai Buddhist monk. I introduced myself and said hello. And he was very friendly and spoke remarkably good English, something you don't always find amongst Thai monks. He introduced himself as Prasansarit and he was leaving Thailand, transiting in Japan on his way to Kansas. I'm not sure what his plans were there but we took a selfie together and had a nice short conversation and it was a nice reminder that I was in fact headed to my beloved Thailand but when one has a five and a half hour layover it does give one time to walk around and inspect and curiously enough in my terminal They had a couple of large display cases of confiscated items, things to keep in mind, not to bring through the country. They're liable to be confiscated. And so it was interesting to see the variety of things from prescription medication to cobra head wallets. I thought that was particularly interesting but perhaps not as interesting as another curious piece I saw in this very publicly displayed cabinet, this glass case for all to see. Sure enough, tucked in one corner was what seemed to be an anal stimulation toy with a handle. Curious enough in and of itself, but it begs the question, why was it confiscated? Are the Japanese people so cultured that perhaps something like this is considered offensive enough, perhaps obscene enough, that it would be confiscated from a traveler? Well after a nice meal in Japan, eventually it was time to get on a plane for another six-hour flight to Bangkok. In my earlier travels to Thailand, I couldn't wait to get out of Bangkok. I had no impression. I always landed, stayed a night in a hotel, and immediately would skip off elsewhere. At least that was the vision, the plan, and what I ended up doing. But on these three trips to Bangkok in the last six months, that indeed has been my focus. That has been my nexus in Thailand. And it's because I learned on that first of the three trips in the last six months that Bangkok is a fine city. It's modern and it's interesting with amazing things to do. Not only just Thai culture and all that entails, food from across the globe of the highest quality, amazing street markets, street food, beautiful gardens and parks and museums, astonishing architecture in the skyscrapers. Amazing, fascinating, culturally rich, historically significant temples. This is a city of 12 million people. And yet there's a certain orderliness to it as well. As I wandered back around Bangkok over the last few days, Exploring neighborhoods that I had not visited before, even during that month where I was a resident of Bangkok. I found myself in an Indian quarter that also seemed to be a neighborhood for Burmese expats living in the city. I had an opportunity to visit a couple of excellent Burmese restaurants. This is a type of food that isn't easily found in the United States. Burma is adjacent to Thailand on the western side. And although their neighboring countries, rugged jungle and mountains and centuries of discord between the two nations means that little is known of the other culture just on the other side of the border. There's a sense of separation. Even here in Bangkok where as we speak I'm in an Indian and Burmese-centric part of the city. They seem to exist, in a way, apart from Thailand, even in the midst of Thailand. But Indian and Thai food aren't aren't the only predominant foods amongst the Myanmar food here. In this neighborhood, there's halal food and Sri Lankan food. Chinese food. As an aside, and as a point of trivia, I wonder how many of us know that Bangkok of course is not the name that Thai people give to their capital city it's called Te Mahanakong but even that is not its actual name the actual legal formal name of Bangkok is the longest city place name of any place in the world. I don't actually know the legal name, the proper name, but it consists of 168 letters. You can look on YouTube and hear local people pronouncing it. And when I first heard this on my very first trip to Thailand, I was curious to see if any local people actually knew how to pronounce the name of their capital city. I remember asking the question to one of my friends in the north of Thailand. In a very matter-of-fact way, he said, Of course I know how to pronounce it. And so what seemed about 12 or 15 or 20 seconds it took for him to rattle off the name of the city from memory. It was impressive. But for now, I'll probably stick to calling it Bangkok. It rolls off the tongue for foreigners like me. But I find myself now in Asia during a particularly important public holiday season. This is Thai New Year. It's not just Thailand that it celebrates, it's actually across southeastern Asia. It predominates this particular week with festivities reigning supreme during April 13th, 14th, and 15th. April is the hottest month of the year in Thailand and Bangkok is particularly hot. I was born and raised in Southwest Florida. I'm used to heat and humidity in the summers and I spent 17 years living in Las Vegas. So I'm used to very, very high temperatures in a dry environment as well. This is actually my very first time being in Thailand during the hottest month of the year, April. But given my background in southwest Florida and in the hot desert in the Mojave of Las Vegas, I have to say that it's warm, but it's completely bearable. It's a tolerable heat. Days have been in the mid to high 90s. It's humid. But the thing is, The mornings and the evenings are quite comfortable. Dare I say, even slightly chilly when the breeze blows in the evening. During the hottest time of the day, you head back to the hotel or to a restaurant or to a shopping mall where you can hide out in the air conditioning and get something to eat. And then you emerge later in the day. It's not a bad way to spend the day. But I bring that up because it's no coincidence that the Songkran or New Year's festival season occurs during this hottest month of the year and as such it's called the water festival. And it's interesting to walk around now and seeing a significant majority of Bangkok residents sl- have slung over their shoulders these giant water squirt guns. When I say giant some of them 2 or 3 feet long probably holding a gallon of water. And they go around just spraying innocent people, have water gun fights all over the city during the season. I'm finding already on the cusp of the Songkran festival proper, the 13th, 14th, and 15th, that one never knows when you're going to walk down the street and get sprayed by a hose or a water squirt gun. It's already happened to me a couple times today. It's quite endearing. People are enjoying the season. This is their culture, this is their climate, this is their norm. But I can appreciate them finding a sense of joy and relief in the midst of this heat, having fun and games and laughing and smiling. And I can appreciate as a tourist in this place to be a part of it. I love Thailand, I love Asia. People have shared with me before that perhaps in past lives I lived in Asia. Maybe that explains my draw as an American, why I keep getting pulled back over and over and over again to Asia. Why is it when I was in my twenties that something about Thailand drew me? And even then, I wanted to go to Thai restaurants whenever I went out to eat. The hand-carved wooden tables in the restaurants depicting elephants and jungle scenes. I felt a connection. I don't know what it was. The traditional attire of the Thai ladies that would wait on me and my friends and Thai restaurants somehow drew me. The language drew me and seven or so years ago when I first started learning the Thai language somehow I just took to it that doesn't mean I'm any good at it it just means my heart was in it the Thai language is a tonal language it consists of five tones and for that reason when Thai people speak the language it almost has a song like quality a cadence to it I think it's a beautiful language And when I was first learning the language, I was encouraged to learn to read it as well as someone who feels an affinity, a draw, a passion for Thai culture, the Thai landscape and the Thai language, Thai cuisine and the Thai people. I was encouraged to read it because if I were to start spending a significant amount of time in Thailand, It would behoove me, it would benefit me to read the language. And so that's what I did. So it's interesting, among the four lobes of learning a language, that is reading, writing, listening, and speaking the language, my strength is no doubt reading Thai. And it serves me well in Thailand. I can walk around, and I can get by. I can read menus and street signs. And there's a certain joy that comes with that, a certain sense of connectivity to the people of this place. It deepens the experience, an experience that's rich. And so I thank you for joining me for this first episode of what I will be calling the Asian series this has been a return to the Orient this being my third visit in the last six months it feels like coming home I love my home in Santa Barbara but Thailand and more recently Bangkok itself has come to feel like home I find it a curiosity that although I only lived in Bangkok for one month Lived indeed, it was. When one lets go, in this case, by selling my car, giving up my appointment, getting rid of most of my belongings, and entering the headspace of moving halfway around the world to a new city and embracing what that experience might be like, it really did give rise to a shift a connection to this new space an embracing of a new lifestyle. It felt different. And although unexpected circumstances drew me back to California after only a month, the shift had taken place and now I've returned and it feels seamless. I was only gone three months and here I am. It feels familiar. It feels comfortable the smells of food, the sounds of people talking, that high-pitched, almost whiny sound of the Thai ladies in their shops trying to entice you to come in for massage or to buy their foods. It's familiar, the familiar sounds of the zebra doves and their calls as they sit on building tops. It's the sounds of Thailand. It's familiar, it's engaging, it's welcoming, and so again, I welcome you. Thank you for being a part of this first episode of the Asian Diaries. We'll see what next week has in store, but I plan to be here in and around Thailand with short trips to Vietnam and back to Japan the next two months. So without further ado, farewell until next time. Take good care.